Thank you for tuning in to the Realities Podcast. Realities Podcast is a blog-term podcast about the realities of life, what's trending, being a mom and a wife, family, career, and everything in between. I hope you enjoy this next episode, but please make sure that you follow us on Instagram at Realities, and that is R-A-I-A-L-I-T-I-E-S. Let us know what you think about this next episode. Enjoy. Welcome back. Say hi, G. Hi, G. G always says hi back to herself. <laughs> we are back. Uh, I do have a correct this time. It is season four of the Realities Podcast. Um, I kept saying season three or two the last time. This wasn't counting COVID for some reason. Um, and we have a guest with us. Um, she will introduce herself. Um, but before we do that, we are talking about mental health, something that a lot of you here, G and I, uh, talk seriously about and jokingly about. So you'll probably get a mix of that today because <laughs> I think our mental health has been tested the last couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> so we will get into that, but um, our, we will allow our guest Brianna to introduce herself. So just introduce yourself to the guest, tell us, tell them who you are um, and what what you do. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Dr. Brianna Barner. Um, I am an assistant professor at the University of Maryland in the Department of Communication. I study Black podcasts, so I'm really excited to be on the other end and being the guest on the podcast is really exciting. Um, and yeah, I study all things Black media, specifically Black podcasts, and I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So what is that? What are you studying podcasts? What exactly does that entail? What it, I mean, this is like we say our fourth season and we honestly um, started the podcast because we just wanted to do, it was during COVID when we started, right? G, I think, it, yeah, it was during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I was already blogging and writing and stuff like that. And so nobody reads these days. So it's just easier to talk it out. Um, and we have some very interesting conversations. So a lot of friends and families say, this is what y'all should do. Y'all should just put it out there and make sure people know that sometimes y'all say whatever you want to say. <laughs> so be aware. So we did it. It's four season and so yeah, excited about that. But for, for you, for um, studying podcasts, what exactly does that entail? So I um, wrote my dissertation on Black podcasts. And so um, I studied or analyzed episodes of several um, podcasts for my dissertation. And now I am uh, in the very beginning stages of writing a book about Black podcasts. And so now I'm more interested in like the production aspect. So I want to interview podcasters and producers and just get in like a behind the scenes idea of not only how, you know, you put together an episode, but also like what being a Black podcast means to different podcasts, because it means different things to different people. Like, is it just podcasts that are hosted by Black people? Can non-Black people host Black podcasts? Or just because you're Black, does it mean you automatically have a Black podcast? That's not true either. So those are different things that I am considering. I'm also interested in Black listeners and Black audiences. So I want to interview them and get their experiences on like how they come to find the podcast that they listen to, what draws them to certain kinds of podcasts. Um, 
my dissertation was more so focused on episode analysis, which I think is so important because it's super time consuming. So not a lot of people do it because it's very, it's not the easiest thing to do, especially because podcasts are so long. So it's very time consuming, but I am more interested in the industry part now as opposed to just analyzing the content. Oh, that is, that is, that is dope. And I, and not to make it a, you know, black or white thing, but it is dope because it's a a black woman that is interested. Cause when you, when you think about podcasts and things like that, and you look back at, you know, the history in the beginning, it wasn't too many of us that were doing it. And so, you know, it, it, it is really interesting. I, I look forward to, to what you come up with. And what 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 the results are from that? Because I think that'll be pretty cool. Thank you so much. And I'll definitely be talking to y'all about it offline too. But I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, because we podcasting has been around for a while, and I think that the history of it is that we you know weren't there at the beginning, but we were. And I think that 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 history gets overshadowed a lot because with anything with tech, it's usually like oh white bros were the ones who kind of dominated but that's not always true and it's mainly just because that's how it was written or people were focused so much on them and not considering the people that were there from the beginning because yeah. even like with with internet radio and blogging like you were talking about people, black people have been doing that for forever so that's not something that just we just popped up during all of a sudden like we were doing it too and we were doing it in very different ways than I think white bloggers or just non-black bloggers and non-black uh non-internet radio hosts in general and so I think that um those things need to be written about because otherwise the narrative will continue that we weren't there when we were there we still are here we will be here and we'll still be a part of um the industry absolutely and podcasts are different I mean we we kind of have the, our I guess if you want to call it a hybrid model of, of podcasting where we have the new age you know social media going live people can physically see us interact and we can interact with others um, via Instagram but then we also have the traditional podcast where we're just recording and dropping the audio for people to listen to while they're you know on their way to work or cooking dinner or what have you which is you know. We have a mix. We have a mixed audience, so we do have you know those traditional podcast listeners who are just like we all at, and then our our younger generation who is like we ain't we haven't seen y'all face, but y'all really want to see us. Okay, <laughs> let let us go comb my hair real quick, or not? Because some days it's, it it's like this. What y'all is. get? This <laughs> is how we have. So you had so you so you've been studying. Um, black podcasting and and all of the wonderful things that it entails how long because I I know being in a doctoral program and writing a thesis is oh Jesus is a lot how long how long have it have you been uh how long were you studying this um this course area so I started my dissertation I started my PhD program in 2016 and I was not actually interested in podcasts. Like, I didn't even know how to use a podcast at that time. And so I lived in Texas, and I commuted back and forth from San Antonio to Austin, and that commute was absolute hell. It was horrible. And it got to the point where I was like, I cannot keep calling people on the phone and complaining about stuff nonstop, or I'm listening to all the music I want to listen to. And so one day, 
I remember one of my friends telling me, you should listen to podcasts. And I was like, I don't even know what podcast is. Like, how do I, like, I literally had to Google how to listen to a podcast. Like, I had no idea. And so I, I figured it out. <laughs> and so the very first podcast I listened to was The Read. And I was absolutely hooked. And that was like, I would say maybe 2017-ish, maybe. And I've been hooked ever since. Like, I, like podcasts are part of my daily rotation. Like, I listen to them nonstop. And after, like, a few years of listening to them, I was like, huh, it became time for me to start thinking about, like, okay, what am I going to write my dissertation on? And I've always been interested in Black media, but initially I thought I was going to write about um, Black Twitter. And then I was like, oh, I don't really know that I want to write about that. And so then I was like, well, I've been listening to these podcasts. Maybe that's something I might want to get into and so the more that I learned about podcasts and realized that not a lot of people were writing about it, I was like, oh, this is like a new field that is emerging. And I feel like this could be something cool to um, break into that not a lot of people are writing about. So I started, like I officially started on my dissertation probably in about like 2019, so right before COVID. Um, and then I wrote my dissertation during COVID. So I graduated in 2021. So I guess that's like about like what five years and now I'm entering into my uh first year on the tenure track in 2023 so I've been writing about them and so researching them now I guess for almost seven eight years at this point so that is congratulations on your upcoming tenure thank you (laughs) that's a long time to be writing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it is a long time and writing the dissertation what especially during the pandemic was extremely difficult um you know I mean everything as y'all know shut down and so I was completely isolated I mean even like writing the dissertation is isolating in general because unless you've done it it's hard to explain to people what that process is like because it's so grueling it's so intense and then to do it in a pandemic, and I had just had my second child, and so I was still in the newborn phase. I had a, my son at the time was in kindergarten, so he was during Zoom school, trying to write his dissertation. I was working. It was just, it was hell. And I was like, I ain't trying to listen to no podcast right now because I was so used to listening to them in the car. So I wasn't going anywhere. And I was like, it took me about a year to actually listen to podcasts again because I was like I cannot like I'm not going anywhere so it's hard for me to get into a podcast so the 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 process in general of working on your dissertation is isolating and then being a black woman in a very white dominated field was even more isolating and people are like black podcasts like what are you talking about what is that like so it, it was a whole thing like writing it was was very isolating and so um yeah it was a it was a whole thing wow so this that is a good segue into mental health Mm -hmm. um and last month was mental health awareness month but we wanted to keep the conversation going uh g and i wanted someone else on that could talk a lot more about just different topics than just us. <laughs> we, you know, everybody knows us at this point. Um, but in mental health, as well as mental health with children, 
in today's world because quite frankly, growing up and I, I, I'll just throw it out there. I feel like we all probably around the same age group. We're not, you know, we're not on a tremendous different age gap. So um, growing up, it did not, in my opinion, it mental health wasn't at the forefront. Like mental health was not something that you talked about in your households. And I don't, know if that's just in the black households or if that was just in general with the times that we were in um, or if it was just we didn't have those resources in our community um, or the financial resources to be able to get any mental health assistance or what's needed for that. But also mental health was negatively looked at. So for me, when I thought of mental health, you know, growing up, it was like, okay, you you literally had a, like something was mentally wrong with you. Like you weren't all the way there. You were you either had like you were schizophrenia or, or something like that. Right. But now it's like the day to day. I mean, even in your job, it's like people people are taking I'm, I, I do human resources. Well, like I need a, I need a mental health day. Um, so. Going into or talking about you writing your dissertation during COVID, having a child in that was a school aged well in kindergarten during COVID of all of all grades because you got to sit there with them. They're not giving them coloring sheets during COVID, <laughs> as well as a newborn, and just maintaining your own sanity. How do you? How did your mental health? How how was your mental health impacted with all of that? And I'll throw the same to G because G was you was in your ninth do master's program. Don't do that. <laughs> I'll throw yeah. the same question to you because you had the same stuff kind of going on at the same. Actually, we was, and the only thing I didn't do was a doctorate. I, I, I was <laughs> I was smart enough to just get a second master. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Brianna. <laughs> So that period was, I mean, I was like, I would tell my husband every day, like, I don't, like, I need to take a leave of absence. I just do not think that this is going to work. And he would be like, it's going to work. Like, we're going to make it work. It'll be fine. I'm like, it's not. <laughs> like, this is not happening. Like, I'm up all hours of the night with this new baby. I, you know, have all these hormones just raging all kind of places. I'm trying to figure out how to do something I've never done before with this dissertation. I'm like, this is not going to work. I'm taking a leave of absence. Like, I would just wait until, you know, because at that point, nobody knew what was going to happen. So I'm like, I don't even know how long this is going to be. But I'm like, I would just take a leave of absence. And once it's over, then I'll come back. I'm glad I didn't do that because look how long it ended up being. I'm thinking like, oh, maybe it'll be, you know, like a couple months and then we'll come back to normal. Clearly that's not what happened. And so um, in the process of me writing my dissertation, I was also in the job market. So I was applying for jobs at the same time, which academic jobs, like you apply a year in advance. So I was applying in the fall of 2020 <laughs> to start in fall 2021. Oh, okay. so it was it was a nightmare. So my mental health took a complete dive. Like it was it was really bad. And um, my son, he would come to me and be like, 
I'm hearing this stuff on the news. Like, what is going on? Like, what is this COVID stuff? Like, are you going to catch COVID? Am I going to catch COVID? Like, if you die, who's going to take care of me? And I was just like, I do not want you to be thinking about this stuff right now. But at the same time, it's like, he's not stupid. He's like, y'all are listening to the news. And whether or not y'all realize it, I'm listening to what y'all are talking about. I'm hearing y'all talk to other people. I'm hearing y'all be worried. I'm seeing you with masks or I'm seeing where we haven't left the house in three weeks and we can't go in there anywhere and our family can't come visit us. Like he's five and I can only imagine in his little world what is going on in his head. And so at first I was like, I want to try my best to just keep him from everything. Like I didn't want him to know what was happening. And his teacher would kind of like, because we were all at home. So we would like us parents would sit in on the Zooms because you know, like you said, kindergartners, they can't, they can't do, they don't know what Zoom is. So we actually sit with them on Zooms. And so she started kind of talking to us about our own mental health and talking to us about navigating this with the kids and how to talk to them about it. And so that helped a lot. And she's like, you know, don't sugarcoat it. Don't tell them that everything is going to be okay because you don't know. We don't know. And it's better to just be honest with them and to ask them how they're feeling and to share with them that you're scared because we cannot tell them, oh, I'm not going to get COVID. I don't know. Like, because we don't know. We do not know that if we're going to get it or not. We don't know what the long-term effects are. And like, he's like, what happens if I get COVID? And I'm like, I don't know. And that was scary. And that was like really hard to be, to have to tell him, like, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going on. And, you know, the only thing really that we could do is just, it was like the world stopped, time stopped, but we were able to just kind of like create a cocoon in the house. And I'm really, really blessed that we were able to do that. Um, and so that's what we focus on was just like, we can't go outside. So we're going to create our own little world here in this house, in this space. Like we'll have as much love as we can. We can do whatever you want, whatever silly stuff you want to do, let's do it. But that was also very exhausting too, because trying to be the space of love and try to do all that when inside I'm going crazy. So I'm like, I just have a newborn baby. My immune system is shot. Like my immune system basically is the same as this baby's. So I'm like, what if I, you know, what if I take her to the doctor? And I mean, even going to the doctor became a whole thing, but I'm like, she has to go to the doctor because she has to get shots. And even me, I had to have my six-week checkup and all that stuff. So it's like, she has to go to the doctor. She has to have all this stuff. We can't avoid going to the doctor. We can't avoid going to the grocery store because we have two little small kids that need stuff. So it's like all these things are like I'm constantly having to juggle, me and my husband both, and just trying to figure all this stuff out. And so that was really exhausting. It was really hard. And I tell my son all the time, I'm like, I... I'm so proud of you because you juggle all of that at such a young age. And I can still see, you know, like remnants of what it had, the impact it had on him. And I'm like, and like he's nine now, but I'm like, you have dealt with so much stuff because not only was it the pandemic, but then George Floyd was happening at the same time, Breonna Taylor and his teacher to her credit, she didn't shy away from that either. So when that was happening, she was like, we're going to talk about it. And she talked about it with them in a kindergarten level. And I was just blown away of how she was handling it and she answered their questions. And I will never forget my son was like, when she heard us talking about Brianna Taylor, he was like, could that happen to you? Like, you all have the same name, but what that happened to you? And I was like, <sighs> so it was just like, it was 
it was like the pandemic was one thing and then it was like everything that was happening outside of the pandemic was happening at the same time and there was no oh that he's too young for that or oh he can't handle that because it was like this is stuff happening like he's hearing about the protest because that was a it was a point during summer and everybody was protesting and he wanted to go and we kind of talked about like should we take him to these protests like what what happens if we take him because also COVID was still a thing so it was like if we go to these protests what if we catch COVID and we got this newborn baby here in the house? So it was like all these different things. But my son really showed his resiliency during that time because he did eventually go back to school and, you know, he was still wearing masks and he handled it really well. Like, I know that was a lot for him. He was five years old going to school wearing a mask all day long. Like, that was a lot for him. Me and my husband were working from home. So he's like, I'm the only one in this house that leaves going outside. He's like, hey, I have to sit in school worrying about whether or not I'm going to get COVID. And I'm like, you're right. You're five years old. You're sitting in kindergarten. Like, am I going to get COVID? So it was, it was, it was a really rough time. And I, like I said, his resiliency was just. I'm still in awe of how he was able to handle all of that at such a young age. That is good. Yeah, it it was a lot at one time. I didn't even think about that because we were so heavy on COVID, but then. It's like we shifted for a quick second from COVID to like COVID was put on pause because then you had all of the world issues. George Floyd, we want to tell you, had all of that that was happening at the same time. So, yeah, that's that that definitely could take a toll. So what about you, G, during that same time period? Like, how do you think your mental health was affected, if any? I mean, you were in school. I was. You weren't weren't pregnant yet. Huh? No, I was thinking, I was like, were you pregnant yet? No, I had to think about it. Um, ironically enough, all of our kids, Brianna, are the same age. So mm-hmm. um, our, our girls were in not. kindergarten <laughs> that year. Um, mm-hmm. And March 13th hit, and it was like, wait, what? Okay, we'll get back to normal. And we'll do, and a couple of weeks went by, and a couple of weeks. So as that, that kindergarten year, when they finished out that kindergarten year, it was like, all right whatever we'll you know we'll we'll tough through the summer we'll we'll move on but I was in school too so it was like okay I got this toddler at home five-year-old at home I also had my son who was eight I don't know he was somewhere around here um at the time so having to explain it to, and he's a very he's a very inquisitive little uh, he was he's very inquisitive so having to explain it to him and then again the same thing so I actually, my mental was put on the back burner because I couldn't focus on my mental because I had to make sure my kids were okay. I had to make sure I got my schoolwork done and, and my mental didn't come into play until we had to go because I, we, we were out of school for a whole year, right? Um, Two, half a kindergarten, all the first and half a second. So my mental didn't come in play until we actually had to go back into the building. Um, we went back uh 2022-2021-2022 we ended up going back in the building and that's when everything like I had anxiety and that's I actually ended up going into the ER because I thought I was having a heart attack so I had um that's when I found out I got a phone call and found out that I was actually having a baby (laughs) so (laughs) Totally different. Um, <laughs> we had decided, you know, 
And so it was, it was, um, I had to go and go to um what they what they call the cardiologist. It was, but even with me coming back, going back into the school system and going into the building, the first from September to December or September to January, my kids were still virtual because my 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 staff uh, the staff already knew that I was pregnant at that point in time. So they were like, all right, we're just gonna make sure you virtual. And then in January, you're going to have to tough it out. Um, but like all of that played a factor. And I didn't realize it was it was that it was it, it was playing that in my it was it, it was in my head until all of that started happening. Even even now with COVID being gone, I teach kindergarten now. So I don't go around my babies without a mask. on. I'll do the older kids because they're older. You you sneeze on me or punch in your face. <laughs> but the babies don't know no different. So I wear my mask and they know that. But I also ended up getting stress-related eczema because now I'm worried and I'm frustrated and I'm 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 trying to figure out, okay, how do I connect with these kids? And how because you know they babies, they want to hug you. Gee, mm-hmm. Lord, uh, okay. <laughs> I ended up getting so it's been a wonderful. Two years of trying to adjust. And like I said, my kids were first. And I didn't realize that I was having issues until they had until they they had a better understanding and they were okay. Once I sent them into the school building and they okay, I gotta wear my mask, I'm cool. I didn't realize I had issues until everything was, you know, everything had already got in place and we were almost kind of out of COVID ish. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that you mentioned that too, because I, so I graduated in 2021 in the summer. And so we were in Texas and then we moved here to Maryland in uh, August, 2021. And so I have been home pretty much since I had my daughter in January of 2020. So uh, my position when I moved here initially was um, as a postdoc at the University of Maryland. So I've been home this whole time. I'm going to be teaching in the fall. And so I am kind of like where you were. I'm going back to be around people. And I have not been pretty much like I have an office, but I can count on both hands how many times I've been in two years. And so I haven't had any teaching responsibilities or anything like that. So most of the stuff that I've done has been over Zoom. So I am going back into the classroom. And so it's interesting because for some of, for a lot of the college students, some of them, they started college during COVID. And so for a lot of them, they didn't, they have not had a regular college experience. And so this was like their first my regular year, but I think that this upcoming year is really going to be like the first full year where there's like no restrictions and there will be much less Zooms. I can already tell. So it's going to be new for them. It's going to be new for me because I have not had to be in a classroom throughout the entire COVID time. So I'm like, do I need to wear a mask? Like, how is this working? Like, so I don't, I don't know. So, and I'm interested to see like now that that it's going to be like the first the real first year of like adjusting to a post-COVID world, like how the students are going to be and how their mental health is going to be. Because I think that a lot of the protections that were in place during COVID and like being understanding all that stuff, I think that's a wrap. And so 
they're going to have to adjust to that. And so, but it's unrealistic to believe that they weren't impacted by it either. And to kind of like pretend that the last couple of years didn't happen. So I'm, it's just going to be a really interesting experience for them and for me to see how we adjust to being in the classroom in the fall. So we we have we each have a child that's in the same age bracket. <laughs> um, well, no, I had when did COVID, what year was COVID? Nineteen? No, it twenty. It got to us in in twenty. In twenty. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I ain't have to worry. About it. Yeah. So Morgan, my my youngest was already her newborn year was, but. <laughs> Well, funny enough, I have I had two COVID babies. So my my daughter was born the end of January. So by her six week checkup, COVID had happened. And then I have a baby who was one who was born in February of last year. Oh, two COVID babies. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, so we so I've had two COVID babies, and that in itself has been an experience. Um. It's funny because my daughter's teacher is like, cause my, my daughter, she's a very wild spirited child. And um, the, second yeah, one. So, the second one. Mm-hmm. And um, her teacher is like, so, you know, she's not the only one. And she's like, you know, in the smaller babies, there's, or oh, she's not a baby, but the smaller kids, they're seeing that impact with them in terms of socially. Because most of them, even though they weren't in daycare, they were like, you know, not really wanting to be near each other and were completely fine not playing with each other. And so her teacher was like, I can tell the COVID babies. And so we're dealing with her having to get some of the socialization that she missed out on. Um, Because, I mean, she, like, it got to the point where she was, like, excited to wear a mask. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like... She was so excited to wear a mask because, you know, she couldn't wear one until she turned two. So when she turned two, she was so excited that she finally got to wear a mask at school. And some of her teachers still wear masks, but most of them don't. And so we had a doctor's appointment recently. And the doctor, for the very first time, we saw her without a mask on. We've been here two years. I had never seen her face. It was the first time we saw her face. And she was like, yeah, this is what I look like. And my daughter was looking like, who are you, lady? <laughs> Where's your mask at? So she, we're, we're, we're dealing with what the, like the toddler, um, all the stuff that she has to deal with. We're dealing with the impact of COVID on her. Um, and her teacher is like, yeah, they're going to need a lot more socialization and they're going to just need a lot more. The, the, the COVID babies, the oh, impact yeah. of COVID is going to be felt on them for a while. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Mo, I would say Mo wasn't born during COVID, but she was only three months. Mm-hmm. Now I think about it, I'm like, wait, yeah, because I'm like, I ain't never had to, I never, she wasn't outside. <laughs> My poor baby, but she is. She a whole different monster. Boy. She is a social butterfly all the way. So um, that's the one I'm like, okay. It just makes sure I got a savings account for whatever you get yourself into. <laughs> She's a little different breed of stuff. So we we learned that we do, we all have kids. We have kids in the same age um, group. So what do you think, you know, having, having a nine-year-old and granted your nine-year-old Brianna is, is a boy and ours are girls. How do you, what do you think, um, is the biggest issue today with, in regards to mental health with kids, like with their age? And I say that cause like my, my daughter now, she, 
I think they're, I don't know, if, I, I feel like they're teaching it in school or they're seeing it, they're hearing it somewhere, but I know like we're not teaching right. it or showing it, but she'll say, you know, I'm, y'all are stressing me out. Y'all are giving me anxiety. And I'm like, you don't even know what that means. I'm like, do you know what anxiety means? Or she's like, I don't want to, even a four-year-old, she's like, okay, mommy, I don't want to stress you out. But I'm like, what do y'all know about this? Or I come home from work like today. I came in the house. I just put my stuff down. I laid on the couch. I was like, just give me, just give mommy a second. So I get my brain in order. It's been a long day. And here come the four-year-old was like, you need some wine? Girl. Yeah, you're going to It's Tuesday. If it was Thursday, I'd say yes. But no, not on a Tuesday. I'm okay. But it's like, you know, how do you think, or what do you think the biggest issue with today's kids, specifically in our, in our kids' age range, when it comes to mental health? Like, what do you think is affecting or can affect their mental health? So I'll, I'll say two things. So my son, I feel like the social emotional learning thing is like very big in schools now, like the new buzzword. So like from the time that my son was in kindergarten, even before COVID happened, like the school that he was at when we were in Texas, they had it built into their curriculum. And so they would focus on it for 20 minutes a day, every day. And they would, I mean, they could do more than 20 minutes, but it was at the minimum, every grade in the school, 20 minutes each day, they had some kind of aspect of SEL. And so even at the school that he's been at in Maryland, it's been something that has been implemented in his classes too. So I do think that it's something that people are becoming more aware of and it's built into the curriculum. I don't know what that looks like for older kids, but I've definitely seen it in my uh, son's grades. And even with my daughter, um, like she's three and they, she has yoga at school and like she, um, yeah, she does yoga at school. And I was like, I, I wasn't sure if like she was like actually like paying attention, but I randomly saw her like doing some stretches one day and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, we do yoga at school. And she was like doing downward dog and like all kinds of stuff. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so she like really pays attention and I got her like some sensory toys. Like I told y'all, we were having some behavior issues with her and um, I got her this ball and Oh, I was trying to see. I think it's upstairs, but it's this ball where like you can like make it smaller or you can expand it, and so it like goes in and out like that. And so oh, I told her, I know exactly. You have one too? It's like um, it's that hard plastic, but you can. It's and it's super colorful, but you can like yeah. It, so it, you it, can it, like yeah, yep, you can yep, make it super so big, she, or you can make it a yep. little smaller. Yeah. Oh, so no. I bought I bought that for her. Um, and so I told her I was like so. When you, when you, you know, like make it smaller and you make it bigger, think about that in terms of your breathing. So, you know, when you inhale, make it bigger. When you exhale, make it smaller. And when I first showed it to her, I thought she wasn't listening. And then the other day, she was like, look, mommy. Aww. And she was doing it. And then she showed the baby and they were both doing it. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I think that that is definitely something that like they are noticing. And like my son and my oldest son and, and her are both very good at being like, I didn't like the way you were talking to me or that when you said that, that made me really sad and I hurt my feelings. And they're very direct with like being able to say like, this really bothered me. This really upset me in a way that I don't think I was aware of when I was that age. And I know that it's because it's modeled for them at school. And so we do it at home too, but I think that like they get it modeled at school a lot. So I do think that 
they are aware of their emotions a lot more than I don't remember that ever being that thing in school. The other thing that I think specifically for my son's age group is the iPad. That is something that um, my husband and I and like our friends who have kids in the same age group, like I feel like my son is addicted to his iPad and he he doesn't understand yet. Like he doesn't have enough discipline to recognize when he needs to step away from it. So I've noticed that when he uses it, specifically when he's playing Roblox, um, he will get so upset if he has to turn Roblox off or like we've had to limit it now to him only being able to play it on the weekends because it was just getting too intense. And like, I saw that like he was having trouble concentrating, he was having trouble focusing so trying to navigate the iPad situation because like I've noticed that he's also been watching YouTube videos and we had to turn YouTube off too, but he was watching videos and I'm like, he doesn't have like the media literacy skills yet to know that like just because it's on YouTube, it doesn't mean that it's true and that like anybody can make a YouTube video and say whatever they want on the video. He doesn't understand that part yet. So I'm like listening to some of the stuff he's saying. He's like, oh yeah, well, I saw it on YouTube. So, and I'm like, that's not how that like, so I don't want him to go down the wrong path with like watching the wrong YouTube videos and being like, oh yeah, what so and so says on YouTube. So like because they said it, I believe it too. Like I don't want him to get to that point. So that has been this year, that has been the hardest part is teaching him how to regulate himself in terms of like his his iPad and YouTube and all that stuff usage. I still don't have the answers. I just can recognize the impact that it's having on him and I don't really know what to do with that because he's been using an iPad since before he turned one. Like that's been a part of him for his whole life. Same with the four-year-old and the one-year-old. The one-year-old now is using an iPad, knows how to swipe up, knows how to find Coco Melon. So it's like, that's something that (laughs) they've had all their life. And so it's, it's a part of them now. Like they don't even think twice about it. Like they're so, it's, it comes I don't want to say it comes naturally, but it comes naturally. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know how to make sure that they have limits on it. Like, obviously, we can have limits because we can, like, you know, you can get there 30 minutes a day or whatever. But even within those 30 minutes or however long, I can still see the impact that it's having on them. They use it at school all the time, too. So it's like, I don't know. I'm, it's like we were in that generation where I remember what it was like to not have an iPad. I remember what it was like to not have internet. That's not the case for them. Nice. So even if I did try to take away the iPad or the internet, they needed to do their homework. So it's like I, I don't really know how to navigate all that. So that is what I would say about the mental health stuff for their age groups. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely will agree. I think the the electronics um cause a is a big thing with the kids these days i mean if they like my kid they don't understand if the internet is lagging as as my my favorite person in the world uh nephew said to me did he say lagging or laggy i don't remember what word he said laggy laggy um but they don't understand that so it's like if if the internet goes out or whatever it's like i can't fix the internet it's nothing i can do about that but they're having full-blown meltdown so for us, one thing we, um, my, my husband is is sort of old school in a lot of the in a lot of the parental traditional ways, whereas I'm more of the 
I'm in between. I'm like, I can understand and I can get on board with certain things, but it's like, that wasn't, this isn't their time. Our time isn't their time. So you got to kind of meet in the middle. So like our kids have to go outside. Like you got to go outside. We have neighbors. So like now I don't even, they probably not even in the house yet because the, the one street light not on yet, but <laughs> they go outside. And, but then as soon as they come back in, or I can guarantee my daughter probably has her phone outside with her and the four-year-old has her tablet and they're just sitting with the rest of their friends on a tablet. But it's like, go outside, get some fresh air. I want y'all to smell like the outside, as my mom would say, y'all smell like outside when you come in, um, because that's just what we did. And for, to your point, they are on their computers and, and tablets all day in school as it is. They need to separate. It needs to be, you know, that separation. But it is hard because then they they see and watch stuff on YouTube and I don't know what else they on. TikTok. I mean, our kids don't have TikToks. They don't. They're not allowed to have TikToks. But I'm pretty sure YouTube. They can still stroll and see the reels and all of that stuff from TikTok. And it doesn't. Those don't have any parental controls. Right. So no, they can see and hear everything. So if I'm hearing something that I'm just like, whoa, what's that? Let me see your phone. Let me see your computer. What you doing? Um, and then they don't, as you said, with your son, they can't differentiate what's real and what's not. So if, um, what is that girl name? Conigra. I can't stand her. I don't need, I'm just saying, what? I can't stand Conigra. She she's a grown woman that has that makes YouTube has a YouTube channel, but she does it with her kids. But she's extremely ghetto. Like she is like over the top extra. I'm like even a a, a ghetto hood person ain't even like you. Like she's over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but the four year old loves her, and it took me a while to figure out who are you saying Kanigua. I'm like what? I thought she was saying something else, and I was like wait, bad word. She's like no, mommy. She kept saying it, kept saying it. Finally, they showed me. And I'm like, y'all watching this grown woman? So whenever she does something, I'm like, where did you get that from? Conigua. Tell Conigua your mama said, no, you can't do that. You can't say that. You can't act like that. No. So all her little sassiness and all of that is just one. And she doesn't want to watch anything else. So, you know, it. I don't even think it's their mental health. I think it's my mental health that's in jeopardy <laughs> because of the stuff that they watching and doing. Because you're trying to be not necessarily that perfect parent, but you don't want to fail at the parenting, you know, at parenting. So it makes it hard. You're trying to allow them to be kids in this society while also still protecting them from this society at the same time. So what about you, G? The you have you have three different age brackets over there. <laughs> you have um, that, and then and then a girl and a boy, which are totally different. Oh, well, your I'm mental health say, is tested. Um, I'm gonna say this: my my oldest is is the boy, and he is he's the easy one. He's the one that's like, all right. I might not want to do it, but I'll do it if you tell me to stay off of this. And I, I honestly think social, just like y'all said, social media is, in my eyes at this point, social media is the devil when it comes to these kids because they go in there, they start seeing all this stuff, they start hearing hearing Kanigua or whatever her name is. I ain't never heard of her before, but um, 
<laughs> they start hearing and seeing and then my kids are big on um on um uh watching ro ro, ro watching people play roblox roblox my <laughs> son my son is really big into that too he watches this one name his name is like Fulton and he plays he plays Roblox and my son will watch Fulton play Roblox for hours. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. But what and it's not all of them, but it's a couple of, and they're grown men. And it's a couple of them that talk any old kind of way. And I'm like, babe, you can't watch, you can't watch that because they're being inappropriate. Now, mind you, you've heard mommy and daddy curse. However, <laughs> you know, when you see mommy and daddy, you know, we might be doing something playful or whatever. But even with that being said, we still know, you know, we still address to you and we let you know that what they're, how they're doing it is inappropriate. Like, you can't follow behind them. You can't do what they're doing. Like, um, and then my, my, my middle one, my nine-year-old being a girl, she tests everything in my, in my whole soul. I promise you, she's gonna be the one that I have to call CPS and drop her off at the at the bus station for. Can you? Is the bus station legal? No, fire oh. station. Okay. Okay. The police station, not the bus station. Please don't okay. drop her off on the metro. <laughs> that won't be good. <laughs> she does, she's the one that's going to test it, and she's <laughs> she's um because she's a little thick, and ain't nothing wrong being a little thick because her mama thick, her daddy thick, but she's she's about looks she's about her body weight and this but she doesn't and because she's watching the girls on youtube doing whatever they doing and saying whatever they saying i promise you i kill you first <laughs> stop playing with me um so it's 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 to me like i said and then she um we recently had an issue with her on um snapchat so i have snapchat on my phone but i don't it's not activated. So I just have the Snapchat so she can use the filters because again, she loves, she loves everything. She loves everything her. But um come to find out she was on her tablet and has Snapchat. And I'm like, why is it saying Gina McCoy has uh, a new friend request? I don't request no friend. Come to find out she's on Snapchat acting, she's being her. But asking people to be friends and following her or whatever, and she's doing things that are quite in, not inappropriate to a sense where it's like, I'm, I'm a yeah, it, but for her age, it's inappropriate, you know, being being mean to other people. Um, so it's 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 everything is all social media. So I'm I'm doing my best to keep this one year old on Gracie's corner for the rest of her <laughs> life. <laughs> I can't. She's all she's everything. She's positive. I'm 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 all for Gracie's corner. So it's <laughs> it's definitely the um it's definitely the social 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 media that's causing. I honestly think it's causing a lot of this mental health from these kids because they're seeing these things and they're hearing these things and they don't know how to react because everybody's parent is not like us. We're not going to. They're not going to go in and be like, oh well. Jim Bob, you know, why do you feel this way? And what are you watching? Because I know with my son, he has a phone. Hey, I know his password to get on it. I can lock it when I want to lock it. I can unlock it when I want to unlock it. I can go in and he doesn't have a problem with me going in his phone. 
So it's, you know. One, one I was going to say, okay. oh, sorry. No, no, I was going to say that, you know, it's interesting too because I study media. And so it's like on the one hand, I want, I want my kids to be media literate and media savvy because I think that, I think that it would be a disservice for them not to be. And the pandemic showed us that, I mean, the people who did not have access to technology during the pandemic, they were years behind because that was the only way for us to communicate during that time. So it's like, on the one hand, I think that that has also led to them using their technology so much because for several years, we were like, here, you do everything on this on this tablet or everything on this laptop. So I can definitely see the impact because like I have, we have godsons that come over frequently and like, when they hang out together, them hanging out together is they all are on their iPads playing Roblox. And I'm like, are y'all going to play together? And they're like, we are playing together. And I'm like, like literally they will all be in the living room together. On the, and I'm like, this is bizarre to me. But then I'm like, you know, if I was their age, I would be doing the same thing. Like that, I, I know myself, I would have been doing the same thing. But as a parent, it's like, I also, we have to protect them too. And like I said, I want them to be media savvy. I want them to be media, media literate. And I want them to understand that media can be good. There are good aspects to it, but you also have to understand the media is created. So I want them to understand that it's like, just because you're watching these videos, it doesn't mean that um, what you're seeing is real, like you said, but also there are certain stereotypes that can be replicated on social media. There's all kind of different things. You as black boys specifically, like you might see videos of your, or not of yourself, but you might see representations of other boys your age or whatever. Like there's all kind of different things that happen within media that I want them to be aware of. And I'm like, okay, when do I start these conversations with them? Like how does that work? And it's all kind of different stuff. So I'm like, because I study media, I feel like it's like heightened for me because I'm like, I can't just watch something just for pleasure all the time. I'm like constantly like critiquing everything. So it's like all kind of stuff that I'm constantly thinking about and a balance. And I think that that's like the interesting thing about being a millennial parent because our parents did not have to deal with that. Like, I remember we had like a family computer. There is no family computer anymore. Like we all have my one-year-old has a tablet. So it's like, we all have our own devices. So there is no like, oh, well, we all can like take turns using the computer. Like, no, we all have our own devices. And that's not going to change. Like, I already know we are going to have our own devices. There is no family computer. We have TVs, but a lot of times we're all watching our own thing on our own devices. So it's like, you know, like, like I said, I think it's a very unique thing to us as millennial parents. It's like dealing with this, and trying to figure out how to navigate it because my mom is like, yeah, I don't understand any of that. And then me as a parent, like I said, we remember what it was like to not have that. Whereas for them, this is something that they always had. And then the pandemic happening severely changed the way that they, their relationship to technology. And I know it changed it probably forever because they relied on it so heavily that it's like, I don't see how they could ever go back to being like, this is just a tablet. That was their lifeline for three years. So it's like, that is going to have a lasting impact on them. So, yeah. And as parents, I mean, we all do it. It's if we're busy and 
the children are just in a way, or if we are handling business, we're at a doctor's, taking them to the doctors and you're waiting. First thing you do is like, here, take your tablet, be quiet. Like, you know that that is like the tablet and the phones become your babysitter because the kids will sit still. I mean, most of them will sit still for a good amount of time. And that is just what it is. But it is, um, to your point, it is watching and being cautious of what they are seeing because they are, I mean, even adults to the, to that point, look at social media and want to replicate. I mean, look at how many Kardashians we got walking around here. Look at how many people that want to have that, want to be able to fit in the Fashion Nova, like the girl in the Fashion Nova outfit or, you know, us thick folks go to Shane, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, and the kids look at that and that's, that's like, you know, to them, that's what you should look like or, you know, what you should be doing. And it's, it's not good for them, but you don't want to ban them from media because that's that's what the world is now. I mean, if, if you ban them from that, they can't they won't survive at all. It's it's impossible. I mean, going back to COVID and looking at just the elderly people or the the people that just weren't technology 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 savvy, they um they struggled. I mean, how many of our grandparents had to go over to my granny house to put Zoom on her phone so she could attend the birthday parties and she still couldn't figure out Zoom yourself as a nostrils. I'm like, granny, put it, put the phone down. She put the phone down all the way down. Like, okay, just somebody go to her house and turn it off, right? Um, or you have them on social media because my granny got, we had to take her phone because she don't know that she's going live on Facebook and she thinks she's scrolling on Facebook, but she lives sitting on a toilet. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, we had to take her phone. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a lot of that. And unfortunately the world, the world is changing, but um, re with mental health, I have one last question before we wrap up. Like, how do you just as a mom, as a wife, um, as, all of the trillion hats we wear in our lives, because we were a trillion of them at this point. Um, how do you balance yourself to keep from burnout? And then how do you keep that balance just for your households, for your kids? Because since we're talking about kids, like how do you keep that mental balance for yourself, but also for your kids? Um, I think that it's definitely tricky. And I'm, uh, I think that I was I was talking to my friend about this and someone I think I like read it or saw it or something on social media probably that said um like in terms of like balancing, like imagine if you had like several like balls in the air and you're constantly juggling and you're constantly juggling, constantly juggling. You can't juggle all of them at the same time, like something's gonna fall. And so it was like imagine that like some of them are glass balls and some of them are rubber balls. And so like if a rubber ball breaks or if a if a rubber ball falls, it's not that big of a deal. You just pick it up and you just keep moving. But if a glass ball breaks, it's different. Like it's it breaks and it's done. And so the point of it was to say that like you have to know like which balls are glass and which balls are rubber. And like some balls are gonna be dropped. <laughs> you have to be okay with that. And then you have to be okay with there are going to be times when the glass ball drops too, and then you have to be aware of like the repair that you have to do to fix it. So I, I mean, I think that that's like the best analogy to describe what it is 
like to try to manage your own mental health and your kids is that you know sometimes it's not sometimes I'm gonna miss out on certain things sometimes self-care is gonna take a back seat um I'm currently sick right now because self-care took a back seat and my this is my body's way of responding to being like okay you need to sit down and so like this weekend I really wanted so last weekend I went to the root picnic had an amazing time came back sick and so I was like, oh, okay, cool. I want to go to another festival next weekend. And my body's like, no, no, we're not doing it. So I was like, yeah, we need to just like take everything off the calendar for this weekend and just like chill. So I think that like I needed it. I think the kids needed it too because the kids would be fine either way. But like there was a point in April where I was like traveling a lot for work and then a few things for personal. And my kids, my son was like, you're gone again and when he said that I was like okay I need to I need to chill because this is impacting you and I'm like I can still enjoy myself because I need that time for myself for me to not be mom but I am still your mom and you're letting me know like because quality time is when it says like just so it's like you need me to be there cool so I think it's also knowing when I need to shut everything down and all of us just need time at the house to kind of reset and recalibrate and so I think that knowing when those times happen and then knowing when it's like okay we can kind of pick back up and do more stuff I think that those are important and since it's summer recognizing that the kids need a break too and not to over schedule them because I am the queen of scheduling 50,000 things and letting myself be like okay it's also okay for them to just like this summertime like they they need a break too and after everything that has happened like this is like their first normal summer so like let them have a normal summer like don't over schedule them don't over schedule myself and allow myself to also have a summer um because I've been feeling like I my body is like we need a summer girl so I think that like recognizing that like it's okay to have empty space on the calendar empty space freaked me out but I'm like it's okay like <laughs> just chill like it might be how G and I count that's how our calendars are we we don't have empty space we be wanting the empty space I'm like can I take this off can I erase this I, 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 need, I need to do better about having more empty space because Damn. empty space is not an empty space is not a bad thing so I, I need to it's do better not. about having more empty space but when you find when you find that empty space you like wait I know it's something that's supposed to be here uh -huh. like this is then you start washing clothes you're cleaning up the house that empty space then turned into five chores yep yep <laughs> Yeah. So, G, what about you? How do you balance yourself to keep from burn burning out? But how do you keep the balance with the kids? I don't. Okay. I, so, I'm so you just like, so you just be on flames. You just I'm just I'm just, I'm just moving. So the moment I get to sit and relax and chill, I be like, okay, I just need five seconds. Um, because it just seems like it's always it's. Just like Brianna said, it's always something. And you just look at the calendar, it's just always something. So actually this weekend with us going out of town, this is the first weekend that I've done something with just the girls. And I don't even know. And I'm feeling guilty. So it's kind of like, I know I need it. I know it's needed, but I feel bad because I'm leaving my kids. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I don't, oh my gosh. I'm I'm sorry. My kid just came in here and just dumped all the stuff on the ground. Um, 
She's like, I'm gonna show you guilt. <laughs> so I don't, you know what? I, I I still ain't figured out how, I, other than just maybe catching a nap when she catches a nap. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I have figured it out. I think to 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 Brianna's point with the with the ball, the juggling of the balls. I think, and I I feel like I've said this before, probably on the podcast, but um, the I feel like the older I get, I try to I I feel that I need that me time because that's the only if if I have my me time and I'm able to reset and it may not be a full reset but a partial reset then I'm good and I'm strong enough and I have the strength and the capabilities for the household. My household has a lot of a lot of intricacies going on in my household these days. So, um, and I would say my, ho- my my husband and I do a very good job with with balance because you know that support with one another. When he needs me, I'm here. When I need him, he's there. Probably him there with me more often than me with him because <laughs> I'm the one that's doing 150 thousand things. But balancing and and coming from just the HR perspective, also as an HR professional, it's important because we it's easy to burn yourself out. We can get so wrapped up in our calendars that we forget, you know, if you're down, if you're sick, then nothing gets done or nothing gets done fully for the household. Not no, no, you know, shade to the, to the spouses, but moms are moms. Right. And so, and, and our role is very much different than their roles. I mean, my husband's not going to comb the baby's hair. He ain't going to wash her hair. He ain't gonna put no, he's not gonna do that, right? He his we have our roles in our household. And so if I'm down, then there's a lot that has I've dropped all of those glass balls and now I'm trying to figure out how I'm about to sweep up this glass and glue these pieces back together. <laughs> or or how do I just start over? Right. So I think it's important that we balance ourselves and we we figure that out because my balance is different than G's balance, which is different than Brianna's balance. And although we all have those similar hats, we also have different hats. So you're a professor, G's a teacher, I'm an HR. It's like our lot, it's still different, but at the same time, we still need that balance. We still need that me time, but we also need the family time. So that's the balance in my opinion. But so we have reached our time, ladies. Thank you, Brianna, for joining us. Been amazing to talk to you. Um, it's good to have a different perspective um, when it comes down to different, just different topics. And hopefully, you can join us again, or hopefully, we could talk to you about, you know, black podcasts and all that good stuff at another time when you're ready. Maybe you start your podcast because uh, <laughs> that could be a part of you, part of your stuff too. Um, but thank you again for for joining us this evening. Um, to all our listeners, make sure that you download the podcast on all of the streaming apps, wherever you get your podcast from, download it, listen to it. We have quite a few that you probably haven't listened to at this point. So take some time to do that. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at realities and that's R-A-I-A-L-I-T-I-E-S. And per usual, we have not solidified our ending. So I'm going to just go with seasons one, two, and three and say, Bye.